When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everyone, welcome to the Barca Blogarnas podcast. I am joined by this weekend's opponent, the man who knows them best, who can help us decipher, uh, as I just told him, the most confusing team in Europe. We are joined by Zach Hicks of Villarreal USA. Zach, how are we doing today? Doing all right. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, the uh, the thing I put at the top of my notes is uh, basically examining the uh, juxtaposing seasons of Villarreal and Barcelona, because... Uh, as Barcelona have been uh, more, cons- I, they've been more consistent domestically of late. The thing that I really want to talk to you about is uh, since the season's kind of wrapping up, I think Villarreal they can still qualify for the Europa League playoff. Is that correct? The it's the Conference League that we're still available for. So if we oh. if we if things work out this weekend, we will qualify for the qualifying rounds of the uefa conference league ah okay well yeah, it's not great <laughs> okay okay um let me just ask you just the the most simple question why is unai emery so good in europe but the struggles have kind of been there domestically the entire season like is his strategy just best it's best impacted over two legs when he can kind of focus in on one team or what is it um, Unai definitely likes to micromanage, um, and that definitely uh, is more of a strength um, in that two-legged knockout tie. Uh, but the other thing that I think people miss is since January 1st, we have the fifth most points in La Liga. Since November 1st, when Emery made some tactical changes, we've had the fourth most points in La Liga. So people want to look at matches like the Real Sociedad match and be like, oh, that's why they're not going to Europe, uh, to, to, to the Europa League. But like what really happened was we started the season out terribly and then we started playing the way we were capable of playing in about November and we were too far behind to catch up and have the finish, you know, the, the league finish we should have had. Yeah, and that form that you're talking about, like we really saw that obviously come to fruition in, in Europe. Um, well, let, let's just talk about the positives. Um, the, the Bayern Munich leg, the first, the, the, the very first leg uh, between the two teams, I was so impressed by the way that like, like the, the result felt like it flattered Bayern, if that makes sense. And I, I don't know if yeah. you felt the same way, but is, is his ability to look at one team and, like you said, micromanage, like, have you ever, I don't know, like, I guess we saw some of that in the Europa League, but do you feel like he got better at that as this season went along? Because I know when you and I chatted in November, it was kind of when Villarreal were really struggling domestically, like you mentioned. They were, I think, maybe just starting to turn the corner a little bit. But, like, what do you think changed for them to be able to 
you know, beat Bayern Munich and make Bayern look flattering with the result versus how they were playing, you know, four months earlier. So when we play teams that have way more resources than us, it's like Emery switches to playing the kind of football that suits his roster best anyway. Um, and, and like, so as of November 1st, and I wrote about it on the site back then, at that point, um, Geronimo Rui was playing more short passes than any other goalkeeper in La Liga. And like that, that's just ridiculous. He's just not, his decision-making is not trustworthy enough for that to be the thing. And so he was also leading La Liga in most mistakes that led directly to an opponent's shot. And, and one of the things that happened in the Bayern match that caused us to be so good is Emery had no notion whatsoever of playing it short out of the back. He, if we do that, we're going to get killed. So he, he, he plays to our great ball play, you know, passers like Danny Parejo and our really fast players like Chiquese and Danjuma. And he said, guys, just go play direct shortest number of passes to get to the goal. That's what we're going to, we're going to play super organized defense and that's what we're going to do. And when Villarreal is playing that way, we're an extremely good football team. I mean, just a very, very, very good football team that can play with anybody. When we're trying to build out of the back and have 70% possession and let's pass six yards at a time, we're just, we're too slow with the ball. We, we take too long in the ball. We don't score enough goals. And so when, when we were doing that in the league all the way up to November, we had a ton of games where we had 60 some percent possession, but either no goals or just one goal. And so we had a bunch of draws. And Emory did this some last year too, and it got him in his last year as well. And it's just, if he would just play well-organized defensive football, but then attacks directly on counterattacks with speed, I don't think we'd have this consistency problem. I don't think we'd have this massive difference between Europe and the league. I mean, I really think the biggest difference between the two is when we go to Europe, we play teams that Emery realizes he can't possess the ball against. And so he plays the way we ought to play. Yeah. And in the league, he just thinks that he can, his team can outclass other teams when he just needs to play like tactically advantage, like advantageous to what the strengths that Villarreal have, right? Yeah. So what, what I've always said about Emery is I, I, when he first got hired at Villarreal, he got um, characterized as a defensive manager. And I don't think he's a defensive manager the way like Sean Dyke at Burnley was a defensive manager. I think he's a defense first manager. And that means that he would love to score five goals but only if our defensive shape and our defensive positioning is what it ought to be. And so when we play smaller clubs that we have more talent than, I think his idea is, okay, in the interest of safety, let's possess the ball as much as possible because they can't score on us if they don't have the ball. And we'll work into the box and score from there instead of just saying, you know, let's go off to the races with these teams that don't have as good athletes as us. Yeah. So who has been just kind of looking at the season overall? Um, obviously, there's still something to play for. Uh, I think you guys are one point ahead in the seventh spot. Um, I'm sure Emery would love to master another European competition. So, you know, the Conference League can be can be his new uh, his new forte for next year. But who has been the most we'll start on the positive side. What player has been the most uh, 
have you been the most impressed with or the most surprised by this year? Um, as crazy as it is, the answer to that might be Raul Alvio. I mean, I know he's like, you know, 59 years old or something, whatever it is now, but it's like, it, he should not be this good at this age. Like he was playing against Bayern Munich and Liverpool and Juventus and all the Fords they have. And he looks, he looked 100% comfortable. Like for the vast majority of these games had these elite world-class forwards completely in his pocket, dictating everything, doing whatever he wanted to do, always making the right decision. And I, it's just absolutely mind blowing that at his age, he can still do that. Um, and so I, there, there are plenty of other fan favorites as well. Like Etienne Capoue is just, he's so much fun to watch. And there's so many players on this team that I love, but probably the guy I've been most impressed with has been Albiol. Uh, we'll, we'll flip it around. Who's been the most disappointing? Geronimo Rui. Ger- uh, you know, it, and it's one of those things he will always be, he will always have a special place in Villarreal history because he scored the winning penalty and then saved the penalty to win the Europa League. And that's just, that's an iconic moment in our history. But he completely fell apart against Liverpool. I mean, just, he just completely under the pressure of the moment, just let in two terrible goals and one bad one in the second leg against Liverpool. And then he was awful again um, against Real Sociedad. And, you know, all, all the hopes for the season fell apart in the space of a couple of weeks because of his mistakes. And those weren't the only problems this season. I mean, I, I was probably his most adamant defender early on in the year. And my argument was if Emery would just use him correctly, he's a, he's a fine, solid, strong La Liga goalkeeper. And he just too many mistakes that lead to opponent shots, too many weak goals that he lets in, and the some of the point blank saves he makes, and some of the nice long over the top balls he plays don't make up for it. So new goalkeepers got to be the top priority this summer. Yeah, like if you can't play out from the back and you can't be a consistent shot stopper, then you can't play in the league at that level. <laughs> right, and and it's it's like Emery. What what I was saying in our comment section the other day, Emery wants a guy who can play out from the back. And Rui, in terms of his ability to kick a football, has the skill level to do that. But he has lapses in concentration that are just so costly. I mean, I, I know, it, it, you know, it, it's similar to when um, Ter Stegen, for you guys, gets out of form and all of a sudden things go from, you know, looking cohesive and nice to all of a sudden it's an absolute nightmare in the back because he's decided to do something stupid. It's the same thing with a less talented player. And I don't know if Emory's going to be able for our budget to go find the kind of ball playing keeper that he wants. Um, but we got to have somebody who can at least keep the ball out of the net on a consistent basis. Do you think that Emory I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Do you think he's trying to like outperform the budget he's going to have at a club like Villarreal? Like, do you think he's trying to like, I don't know. Do you think he thinks he's at Bayern Munich and has some crazy budget and can play the beautiful game type of football he wants? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think he's aware 
that um, that we have to operate more creatively in the transfer market than most teams. Um, but he, you see instances where like, you know, it was on his recommendation that we picked up um, Etienne Capoue for basically nothing. And it was um, on his uh, recommendation that we go out and get someone like Njuba, and it was on his recommend, and, and it was his idea to switch Juan Foyth to a right back, and it was his idea to bring in Purvis Estupinian and then be patient with him for a year and a half. And so I think he sees enough of his ideas work out that he believes that he can that he is the smartest guy in the room, and a lot of times he is. I mean, in a lot, I mean, he is a very brilliant guy, um, but not all of his ideas work. And and I still think Rui's better than Sergio Senho at this point in his career, but going in, it, but it's just not a goalkeeper solution right now. Um, and when when you look at when we brought him in, when you look at when we brought him in, Senho is the only quote unquote starter level keeper that we had, and so Senho played in the league, and Rui played in the Europa League, and it worked, and then like Asenho got worse and Rui playing every single week in La Liga gave people enough game tape to expose his weaknesses and then that's what's happened this year. So I don't think bringing in Rui was a terrible idea. I think Emery just underestimated how much he'd get found out when he was playing every game all season. I'm sure you know this. Uh, Villarreal have the third best goal differential in the league. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you fix? Because to me, like right, like you look at Real Sociedad, who is right above them and is going to get the Europa League spot. They have a goal differential of four, uh, and Villarreal have a goal differential of twenty-four. Is this a? To me, like if I was just looking at this team and I didn't know anything about them, I would think game management problem. Like they pile on teams when they're way better than them, and th- and I know that's like that's not Emery, right? Like we talked about how in the beginning of the season things got strange, like. Just looking at the numbers, why would you say they have such a crazy goal differential and sit so far down the table? Um, I, I mean, I think there have been teams. Um, there have been team. There have been a lot of games this year where we just battered people, where just things were rolling, and you know, it, like, like Gerard Moreno only played half the games this season, and he's our best player, and so there were games where he was out there. And or Danjuna was out there and the offense is clicking and we just pour four or five goals into somebody. And then we don't really have a lot of like we have nights where we play badly, but we have very few nights where we get absolutely obliterated. Like I, I don't I can't think of a time where anybody put four or five passes this year. Um so in terms of like whole season goal differential, um we have um, we have a, a, a high floor uh, as a team. Um, and so I think that has given us a goal differential that flatters us some. And Real Sociedad plays in such a way that, you know, they're all, they have as many draws as we do, but they also, I think, um, when they get behind, they're more likely to chase the game than we are. So, they're gonna, so there are times where they're going to have bad looking results. And Emery, even if he's down a goal, it's like it's like it's like in the Liverpool tie, right? So we go in to Liverpool tie down to nothing, and um, a buddy of mine who's a Liverpool fan said, "How long into this game 
will it take Unai Emery to come out of his defensive shell and chase the game? I said, it'll be over an hour because Emery's just, Emery's just not going to get desperate like that. And it's the same thing when we're trailing by a goal in La Liga. He's not going to pour everything forward and then get burned for two more goals in the back. And when you do that over the course of the whole season, it makes the goal differential flattering. Wait, so, okay, that's interesting you say that, like you, when you were texting your, your buddy who's a Liverpool fan, because it kind of felt like it was the opposite. It felt like they came out and poured everything in the first 30 minutes. And then I, I know the goalkeeping errors, right, resulted in some of the goals in the second half, right? But it did feel like they were on the front foot in the first half. Well, but if you look at the defensive shape, this wasn't a thing. This wasn't like when Carlo Ancelotti decided to chase a game against Manchester City in the other semifinal. And so he's playing a two-man pivot and four attackers that are, you know, have no build-up contribution whatsoever. I mean, you, you look at the first half of that Liverpool second leg, you still have two highly organized banks of four. Um, you still have, um, you know, you, you don't have the, um, the fullbacks getting way out of position. Um, you have everything still organized and structured. So there's no, and, and the fact that we have Parejo and Capue as a, as a duo in the midfield means for at least a brief period of time, we can impose our will on most anybody. Um, but it wasn't the kind of desperate throw everything forward that I think a lot of teams do. It was just um, Liverpool came out with a two-goal lead and I think probably underestimated a little bit what exactly playing in a fully rocking La Ceramica is on a European night. And then they made their adjustments at halftime and really felt pieces. So... Let's talk about the matchup this weekend uh, between, you know, Conference League hopefuls, uh, Villarreal and Barcelona. Um, how do you think, like, so the matchup in November, right? Barcelona won 3-1. Uh, there were, you know, uh, a couple, there was the flattering Coutinho penalty at the very ends that made it 3-1. Uh, and the Depay goal in the, I think, the, like the 85th minute or something like that. So mm-hmm. put Barcelona ahead. But... Uh, Barcelona, obviously, a much different team now. Villarreal is a different team now. Uh, how are you viewing this matchup from the Villarreal side of things? I mean, correct. I don't, I'm trying to think if we've ever won at the camp now. I don't know that we ever have. And ever? I, I don't know. I, I, and I don't. I don't think. If we have, it's been a very, very, very long time. There was some stat related to it that we covered last time around on our site, but it's been a long freaking time. And with with all due respect to Barcelona fans, there are very few clubs on earth that I hate worse than FC Barcelona (laughs) because they can do the most ridiculous, stupid financial decisions, the most stupid transfer decisions, Et cetera, et cetera. And they have so much more money than all but one other team in the league, but it just doesn't matter. And it just really, it's so frustrating. Um, Listen, just because you have a lot of money doesn't, you know, it also means you have negative 100 million net on Philippe Coutinho. Uh, <laughs> but like, but like if, if, if any other team in the league besides, besides Barcelona or Real Madrid, lose a hundred million euros on a single player 
they're not just going to get relegated. They're going to end up in like the third tier somewhere and you're never going to hear from them ever again. And it's just like... Well, we pay we pay installments. We, the, <laughs> amount, the amount of give room that those resources give a club like Barcelona and Real Madrid really frustrate. And then like, like you guys are operating at like, what's it, like a hundred million euro salary deficit right now for what the salary cap is. And while that's going on, you're talking about sign, signing Robert Lewandowski. It's like, just like, it's a completely different world. And so I would love to, and I have, I think on Yale's podcast before, much to my chagrin, come in with like bravado and gusto and like, yeah, we've got FC Barcelona this time. I, honestly, I might pay more attention to the Sevilla Athletic Club match than to the Villarreal match. Oh, if, come as on. As, <laughs> as long as Sevilla wins, then it doesn't matter what happens in the Barcelona match. And I'm just, I just don't, I think we can get a draw, but I don't think we're going to win this football match. I, I, I don't, I don't think may, maybe if Gerard's healthy, he comes up with a clutch goal, but he's only been healthy for half the games this season. I mean, but what if this matchup was happening in the Europa League? Oh, then we'd win. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I just... And I don't know how motivated Barcelona is going to be for this game. I'm uh, not motivated. <laughs> because you guys are going to finish second no matter what. I think the biggest thing at stake for you guys is potentially... If Madrid drop points, y'all can keep them from having their like largest margin of victory in La Liga ever. And I think like that's like the one. Yeah, like and maybe like Xavi and Busquets care about that, and all the other kids don't. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. So you know maybe you know maybe Ricky Puig plays, and that's like really good for us, and like we can get something done. But I just if Barcelona comes out and they give a crap at all. Javi's a good enough manager, and there's enough talent there that I just don't see Villarreal winning that football match. And only a win would guarantee us what we want, irrespective of the Sevilla result. So, so really and truly, I think the Sevilla Athletic Club result is what I might pay more attention to this weekend, as disturbing as that sounds from a fan point of view. Um, but, I and, and I mean... The thing, in some ways, I'm okay regardless of how it goes. Because if we're in the UEFA Conference League, Emory's going to want to win it. And so we're going to be rotating in like September so that we can go off to like random place in Slovenia and play a Conference League match. And then we're going to get behind in La Liga again. And frankly, I'd almost rather he just not have any European competition to focus on so we can take the super talented team, like push for a top four spot and like get us back on track. I don't know. I don't know. I, you, 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 you've, you've untapped the frustration if that's uh, what you're looking for. This is great because when you and I talked in November, it was like two weeks after Xavi was hired, Barcelona were still, I mean, Barcelona are still somewhat failing, but they were failing much more uh, in November. And it was kind of like, like a little celebration for you. And so it's nice that things have come around. <laughs> But I and I say things have come around like you were just in the Champions League semifinals like well, a week and a half ago. So, but it's like there are certain clubs in the world of football that really can have their cake and eat it too, right? Real Madrid had something like seven times the amount of salary space this year than anybody in La Liga, 
so the, despite the fact that they were wasting a million euros a week on Gareth Bale and Eden Hazard, they can still win the league and go to a Champions League final. The, the rest of us have to balance between like our, our chance to chase things in Europe and whatever doom we'd have to face in La Liga as a consequence. And it's just, you know, I, I think I'd probably be in, in better shape if we'd been, if the goals that Liverpool scored to win that particular Champions League tie weren't so catastrophic. Like if, if, if Mo Salah had come through and scored like a Puskas Award candidate goal, there's nothing we could have <laughs> done about it. So, okay, fair enough. Like whatever, we gave him a good fight they got us fair enough but though i completely capitulate there and then to go against real sociedad where all you got to do is win and their best player is out for the year and you can't even do that it just it takes it what's been an incredible season in some respects and it just it makes it it makes your feelings about it really really complicated um and i think that's just kind of where i'm at i think it's where a lot of the real fans are at right now well, this is much more sad than I was expecting. I was kind of expecting you to come on and gloat, you know, we can perform in Europe. How was the Europa League you guys dropped out of, all that? Hey, Well, uh, you know, knocking, knocking German teams out of Europe is extremely difficult. I, I, I understand this. It's not for everyone. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it, it, again, like, I, I had a lot of fun with Barcelona's first half of the season. But it's like I said on Twitter – when all the stuff was circling around Ronald Koeman, I'm like, they're going to fire this guy. And then we're going to have to actually face a competent manager. And that's exactly what happened. Like you fire Koeman. And then two weeks later, we have to face like the, the, the local boy hero legend of the game, instead of facing like the washed up has been that, you know, treats his players badly. And, and I don't know, it's just, it's, it's life as a video real fan and it's fun. And it's exciting, and it's a roller coaster. I mean, um, you caused you mean you're causing the German giants to completely rebuild. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, we I, I can spin this that like we broke Bayern Munich, I guess. And as a result, but, Barcelona might have Bob Lewandowski lining up next year. So thanks for that. Well, so I'm okay with that. Actually, I was telling somebody on Twitter yesterday, if they have to give up Frankie De Jong to make that yeah, game, yeah, yeah. Listen, we're gonna pretend that's not gonna happen though. See, look, that's the thing. <laughs> if that's how it plays out that the Barcelona gets worse. Can you explain that to me? Like in what world is that a good trade? I just, <laughs> well, it, it, in the, in the world where, again, this is one of those Barcelona and Madrid things. You guys, no, this is only Barcelona. Real Madrid would not sell Frankie de Jong to get an aging striker. Who's still like the, probably the second best striker in the world, but they well, still, they would never make that move. I mean, they made the they made the Claude McAlelli for the David Beckham move many moons ago. So I mean, they're they're capable of similar idiotic extravagance. <laughs> but like, how many? If he comes in, because it it, it kind of looks like Dembele's coming back now. Is he coming back? I he hope should... if they don't. I mean, gosh, if they don't re-sign him and they lose Frankie De Jong, that would be catastrophic. So so let's say Dembele comes back and you sign Lewandowski. How many forwards does that make for you guys? It's like nine of them. Yeah, because you still have Aubameyang, Ferenc, Torres, Fati. Uh, I think uh, Triore will leave. But, yeah, there's too many forwards, and there's not nobody enough midfielders or fullbacks. Nobody else stockpiles forwards like that. Like, it's it just – it's almost – I understand Aubameyang has his limitations. And I understand that, like, 
Barcelona overplayed both Fati and Pedri, so like their futures are now in doubt because of injuries. Oh, come on. And all of Spanish football is mad at y'all for that. But like, I don't understand how, I, I don't think anybody other than Real Madrid or Barcelona could have that roster of forwards and be like, you know what we really need? We need a striker. We need a really expensive striker in his mid-30s. That's what we need. And and it's it's decision-making like that that gives glimmers of hope to the rest of us. So, yes, please sell Frankie de Jong to Manchester United, who will probably ruin his poor career anyway, because that's what they do to people, and then bring in Lewandowski and be completely unbalanced. I, I can live with that. Rely on Sergio Busquets as a single pivot for yet another season with no replacement. I'm all for it. <laughs> All right, have fun in the conference league next year. That's what I'm say. <laughs> you didn't want me to be sad. I didn't. I didn't. But you, the, the, oh. then you made me sad because they're going to sell freaking mid twenty. Ah, whatever. And, and, right. and honestly, and honestly, if if we if we were to like go and win the conference league next year, you better believe like the way I'm going to tell that story is like <laughs> this is a massively prestigious trophy. Look at us, like great in Europe once again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, to be fair, like Unai Emery made the Europa League significant to me. Like I had never watched a Europa League game until the final. I think when he was, I can't remember which one it was. I think when he was at Sevilla. Until yeah. like that first or second one. Um, so I mean, Unai Emery makes things relevant. So maybe he can but, make the Conference League relevant. So the thing, the thing that's great about the Conference League and the and the Europa League. I mean, the the quarterfinals on from the Champions League is just the highest level of football ever played anywhere. And so like that's much what must watch. But like, I don't know if Barcelona fans fully appreciated this while while y'all were in Europa this year. But like the fact that we saw a final yesterday between a Scottish team and a German team that wasn't Dortmund or Bayern Munich for a European trophy is a really, really, really special thing um, that you just don't ever get in the Champions League. I mean, the early knockout rounds of those tournaments are so much fun because it's so far flung and all over the place. Um, and, And that is special even if it doesn't have the same kind of prestige and glory that you know champions league semifinal nights do no 100 percent agree okay well try to enjoy the match this weekend if you're not too busy you know watching <laughs> watching sevilla try to lose um zach thank you for joining us everyone check out villarreal usa for uh all of your conference league previews and coverage heading into next year <laughs> uh and zach thank you for joining us as always thank you very much for having me